an Arse Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Arse Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Arse Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Well, at least I remembered to press the go live button. I've done that wrong a couple of times. <laughs> no, you didn't press the go live button. I did it for you. Now I did it. I pressed the button. For no, I sake. pressed it. Am I not I in control? For you. I pressed the go live button. Okay, you pressed the go live button, Darren. <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> it might have already been greyed out because it will be been pressed by somebody else. But I did try to press the go live button. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Thursday Night Live, the first one for two weeks. Uh, I'm joined as usual by my, well, as usual, sometimes he gets out of bed, sometimes he's got something happening in his life, like a baby arriving, but he's here, he's here in person, all the way from Australia. Yes, that's a real country. <laughs> Max, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm a, we're just, we're preparing for the baby as we speak. So preparing for a hell spawn to thrust itself forth from the loins of my poor partner choosing wife. You know, it's... I love that. Your poor partner choosing wife. Yep. <laughs> That's almost yep. as good as your quote. I almost want to look back to last week's notes because I've got fuck all for this week. But what was that comment you made? Did you listen? To, I know that if you listened to me and Liam the other week, did you, when you, you had the week off. I yeah, was no, quoting I did. you. I was quoting you. What was that rhinoceros, rhinoceros cock. His swollen, his, his rhinoceros cock growing, growing. I mean, pretty standard for, pretty standard for Aspro's OG, mate. I think. I know. But it last was just week, a beautiful we were, line. Then last week, the... we were talking about chafed asshole, chef's butt, what you call the bit between your balls and your asshole. Then on Mike's show on Friday, we were calling Ryan Brokeback Mountain, and I said his homosexual penis looked like a grizzly bear that had eaten a chocolate ice cream. <laughs> Hang on, I need to think about that one. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> I said his homosexual penis, because he was wearing like a Brokeback Mountain plaid shirt. So I said his homosexual penis looked like a bear had eaten a chocolate ice cream, and then I nicknamed his asshole Manuel Almunia Manuel because it let everything in. <laughs> I think I should just go. You should just do this show on your own. You are gold, Max. Where you are gold, <laughs> gold or gold or demented, deranged, and but never coming back to the week, precipice. If you listen to last week, because that was the quote that I got from you. It was a beautiful quote about Yangi's mechanism. What what a word! I haven't even heard that. I had to look it up. I had to Google you. Uh, yeah, so a, a machination is a story, right? Is a, a machination is a story or a theme, right? And I only learned this word recently. So then I put it into mechanism, right, which I think is just a different tense. But even Toby questioned me after the show. He's like, did you mean mechanism? And I said to him, no. And no. he's like, you mean machination? I still think I might have made up the tense. No, 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 no. Max, to give you a full credit, I looked up mechanism because I knew what mechanism meant. But I looked up mechanism expecting it to come back as mechanism, but it wasn't. It was to do with the body and the the working uh, the working order of the body. And when you were talking about his rhinoceros cock and the way it introduced his mechanism, 
well i didn't realize you were stupid well done you got it right liam said william was great yeah. <laughs> i listened to his podcast and that was his opening line somebody <laughs> said what do you think of william and william he said and, and maybe he's a fortune teller because william is now fantastic but he actually greatest, said no. greatest player ever to play on the wing for arsenal now in the history yeah. of the game Absolutely. And but he actually said, you know, no, William, William was really great. He played really well. And I thought, well, that's it. That's the all I need to I've got the rhinos, rhinoceros cop from one side and I've got Liam praising William. Yeah, you know what? But fair what... play to fair play to Liam because he actually saw he saw a couple of those performances coming early, you know, because he is he is, as he always says, you know, a bit on the spectrum. And he obviously looked a little bit deeper than just the emotional fuck William, William shit. He's never coming back. Thought he had some good touches in a couple of different games. Then he showed against Leicester that all is not lost for the fuzzy haired waste of fucking time and money and effort. Sorry, I'm meant to be listening to you, but I was reading the comments. Oh, wait, there's nobody meant to be listening. We only fucking scheduled the show five minutes ago. This is just me and Max having a chat, and we happen to be recording it live. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. So, what should we talk about tonight, Max? You're about to have a baby. That's like that's like big stuff, isn't it? What um, what, fucking hell, even my phone was laughing at me then. Um, <laughs> I mean, how old are you, yeah. Max? I don't know. How old are you? I've, I've not met you in person, 30, but you look about 12, um, 13. 30, 35, 35, turning 30. Everyone looks young to me, long. Max. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, Jesus you looks left? young to you. <laughs> Actually, Jesus just looks middle-aged. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is like a big thing. What are you, six days away? Six days away, yeah. Yeah, getting, getting ready to... We're in mum and dad's, a renovation that's two weeks away. There's still no cupboards in the house, still no sinks in the house. There's still no sewn in the kitchen. So it's it's all fucking mayhem at the moment. Some fucking unfucking thoughtful cunt next door has decided to work his life and earn his money and build his fucking dream home next door to mum and dad's. And these cunts, they're on a fucking building site there at seven in the fucking morning. I've got to wake up. Beach Boys, ABBA, Coldplay, the fucking music oh, they play. Nail gun, nail gun, nail gun, Beach Boys, nail gun, nail gun, ABBA, drill, drill, fucking Coldplay. I want to shoot myself in the fucking face. I want to come and live next door to you. That all sounds <laughs> a beautiful playlist to me. <laughs> My three, three most hated bands in the entire history of bands, Darren. If I'm in a room... And any of the Beach Boys turns on, I feel physically compelled to leave a room. If someone plays ABBA, I feel physically compelled to punch them in the face. And Coldplay, of all of them, Darren, makes me want to punch myself in my own cock so I can feel something, feel something better than listening to fucking Coldplay. See, I'm old. I, I knew Coldplay when they were just a bit chilly. <laughs> moderately, moderately uncomfortably chilly play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, they weren't known, but it was good. So, I mean, do you know the sex? Well, I, I, you put it inside the vagina. I mean, that's how the baby got made, Darren. 
I know of the sex. Actually, Darren, I don't really know of the sex anymore because no one's touched my willy for so long. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to go get myself a copy of Where Did I Come From and rewatch it just so I can learn how to use my wang again at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, it ain't gonna happen, mate. You're married now, are you? You married? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the yeah, the yeah. willy touching, Sorry. the willy touching goes downhill at every important sector of your life. Marriage, willy touching down. You know, debt, willy touching down. Buy a business, willy touching down. Fucking baby, willy touching down. Darren, it's lucky I like porn. Honestly, who doesn't? <laughs> Yes, why not? <laughs> so much to porn choose hub. from. Pornhub is all of our friends. It's, it's... When the government cracked down on Pornhub, we're all fucked. <laughs> no, we're not. Yep. Pornhub, <laughs> saving marriages for 10 years. <laughs> oh, look, there's loads of comments here. Any of them any good? I haven't got my glasses on. Let me have a look. Anything Scunny's on? Uh, oh, yeah. Scunny says, Manuel. don't lie, Max. You love Coldplay. Coldplay can fuck. Massive rhino shout. I like that to uh, Dazza and his old throbbing vein, Max. <laughs> well, those of you who have tuned in to listen to an Arsenal podcast, you might just get me and Max catching up. I have done, look, I mean, I'm a, I'm an old man and I've, I'm a veteran of podcasts. I reckon I'm about 200 in and uh, this is the least prepared I've ever been for one. Notes, nothing. Can't even remember the last time we played. Just thought I'd have a chat with my old mate Max, and you could all listen in. And I thought that would be fun. Uh, it's actually been quite a nice holiday, Darren. Not having a game midweek this week. It, it, like it's it's with so much football and such a condensed season, it's actually become, and with our fan base on top of it, and the lunacy that exists in our fan base, it's actually been quite a nice holiday. No midweek game. You know, we played last week. We won. That was the thing. And then there was no, you know, going to buttfuck nowhere, Stan, no playing a home game in fucking Greece, because that makes sense. No playing an away game in fucking Italy against a team from fucking Portugal, because that all made sense. And it was quite nice, Darren, just having a, a midweek off football, have a beer, lovely. catch up lovely, catch up on it? some just, Pornhub. It was lovely, you know? but we missed out. Get away from Pornhub. Come on, we've got to move away from Pornhub. <laughs> Talking about referees, did you see the, the two-whistle incident at the weekend? I didn't, but I read, I read so much on Twitter about it, so I'm aware of its existence without having seen the, the actual... <laughs> I mean, I think Thierry Henry, back in my day, Thierry Henry fucked all referees up because... They used to just blow the whistle and Thierry Henry took a free kick, early scored a goal, and then they clamped down. Oh, we can't allow that. We can't allow the team that's just been awarded a free kick to actually take a free kick early and score a goal. So they clamped down on it. And this was the first sort of reversal of that situation where the referee blew his whistle and then straight away said, no, hang on, I fucked up. Honestly, referees, I'm a, I'm a big fan of referees. I know uh, uh, everyone thinks they're rubbish, but I think... It, the lines for the referee is actually very, very good these days, except Mike Dean is a cunt. But, um, mm. you know, it was just, it was it, it was so embarrassing. It was almost hard to believe it was true. He blows his whistle and within fractions of a second. He blows his whistle again and says, sorry, made a mistake. <laughs> I like that. VAR actually got it right. And we had a big week with VAR, didn't we? We actually got things right for a change. Uh, uh, oh look, the, the, fa the fan the fan base still managed to conspire to jump up and down about the Pepe penalty that VAR rightly 
ruled as not a penalty and then gave the free kick. So correct decision to go to VAR, correct decision to look at it, right angle, right decision, right outcome. I mean, and this is basically what VAR has been put there for. And I do think that the standard of refereeing in the UK is poor. And I do think that this year has highlighted it generally quite well. I do think that I had, I mean, I've had this conversation with Liam a couple of times, who's not here today because he's. Now we're going to talk about Liam. He's shagging. He's shagging his missus on Skype, and this is a this is a special anniversary day for them. This is their Skype anniversary, Darren. It's the first time they ever shagged live in front of a camera, um, and so we we wish we wish Liam good luck. Stay we can firm. go live to that, by the way. We do have a live yeah. feed, uh, yeah. but um, anyone yeah. wants to follow, it's at Liam Fox. That's it. Just follow him. He's he's big on Twitch. Big on Twitch. Um, um, I'm talking. I'm not going to say anything. I I'm listening to you. I don't even know what the fuck I was saying anymore at this point. You were Darren, talking but... about referees, and then you went off into Liam's sex life. That's, that's fairly. That's fairly common. I think I was saying. Look, the standard of referees is is poor. We've seen it more and more this season. But the bigger issue is. Sorry, I was talking about Liam and his fucking his missus on Skype. But um, what was I talking about again? You've been talking about oh, referees. Fucking referees. Referees. We were saying the rules are the issue currently for the referees. I don't think that the referees are good enough. But everyone has this constant argument, Darren, in football where they want to have their cake and they want to eat it too. They want to be able to apply the rules when they want to apply the rules, when the rules make it in their favor. And then they want to be able to remove the rules when it's not. I said years ago, handball should be, if the ball touches your fucking hand, regardless of whether it's in a natural position, an unnatural position, on your hand connected to your bollocks, up your ass, behind your head, on the ground, if the ball hits your hand, it's a handball. It removes no, all not. of it removes all of the football? black and white issues. Yes, I played football. But I'm well, just you're saying fucking that, Australian now. You probably played fucking Australian rules football or some fucking nonsense. I just think of I just league. think rules I just think rules should be black and white. And I think as long as you have the ability to referees to be able to make decisions within games based on what they think, and then you add a third dimension of VAR onto that as well. Like if it's going to be contact in the box you know, which I guess is the difficult one. But if it's going to be contact with the foot in a box, again, title of Liam's sex tape at the moment. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I just then I just feel like it should be contact and it should move on. And we would remove all of this this issues. I can see Ruthless in the room saying, you know, the referees are shit, and he doesn't and he doesn't agree with me. And Ruthless plays football at a reasonable level. In fact, he's a YouTube superstar. If you go check him out, winning. Darren scoring the winning goal for his local football team. Uh, he's a he's, he's very big, very big thing down there. They call him the Turkish Henri. That's what I hear. Come on, you've seen my penalty King Paul when I even sent you the newspaper yeah. cutting of my celebratory weekend. You did, Darren. But then, you know, there was an offside ruling for VAR on the weekend. I've forgotten who it was as well. And it was like, there was like 17 fucking lines drawn on the pitch, Darren, to try and get this guy's like, the shred of if your for if your heel had a foreskin, this bloke was a heel's foreskin offside. You know, you look at that and you accept it and you say, well, that's black and white. 
That's Come black on, and white. We're, it's we're, offside. Where what were we? We two years into VAR. Is it almost two seasons? I guess into VAR. My opinion hasn't changed. I said it would ruin the game of football, and it's and ruined it the game of football. We don't celebrate goals. That's the key. Did you see when we scored? Thing. When we scored the second. Um, Bamian goal, Benfica fucking ruined it for me. Absolutely ruined it for me because it was a goal. It looked a goal. The ref called it a goal. And because the other one had been called offside by VAR, there was no outpouring. Football is a game about emotion. Football is a game about hugging your mates and throwing a pint of beer up in the air. And, you know, and it's just been stripped from the game, Darren, there's no enjoyment for goals unless someone cunts one from 35 yards. And even in that case, do you remember when Villa, what's his name, McGinn, the midfield? I really like McGinn, by the way. Um, it's for another podcast, players who I like by Max. Hey, you can catch that after Liam's sex tape. Um, Liam's not here, so I'm just going to relentlessly trash him because that's what we do in us, Sorry, I did send Liam a message. I could read it to you. I said, sorry you can't make it tonight, but we are going to take you to the fucking game. <laughs> that's, that's what we do. <laughs> anyway, you know, even McGinn, when he scored that goal in the first, was it first 40 seconds against Arsenal, cunted one top corner. Even that somehow gets pulled back by VAR because Ross Barkley's standing six yards away. You know, and it's like, I haven't spent a lot of time at football matches, Darren. You have, right? And I can only imagine that if the the TV experience is being ruined to this degree by VAR, that the in-game experience, the which is the pure emotional experience, because you don't have commentators in your head. You've got your two eyes and you absorb all the energy of all the people around you. I can only imagine that that experience must have been must be destroyed at this point for people. Absolutely destroyed. Goal goes in. Do you hug your mates? Do you jump up and down? Uh, uh, I think the issue is now, mates, because we haven't been at football for so long, and this whole season has been a VAR with no fans. But the issue for me, it doesn't matter about whether I'm at the game or sitting, standing, watching it. I watch the game. I, I've got, I've got, I've built this lovely big extension. I wish you could all, you probably, all the people who are listening could probably fit in my fucking living room. But if, I wish all the people that listen to this could actually watch my viewing experience. I've got this lovely big living room now, and I stand behind the sofa like he used to do when when my parents uh, my parents bought my 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 sister. My sister's a couple of years older than me. They bought her a Dalek when I was about four. Now this is a clockwork fucking toy. You know we didn't have Nintendo. Oh, even that's old now, isn't it? We didn't have this. They bought my sister this wind up. Dalek from Doctor Who, and they used to wind it up. And my sister used to run behind the couch, and I used to run behind the couch with her. We were scared of a clockwork Dalek. Now, you know, let's move it forward, fucking one hundred and fifty years to where we are now, and 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 life with football is just different. So I'm watching in my lovely big living room. Really love it. I have to watch behind the couch. I stand up behind the couch because I, I have to feel like I'm on the terraces. I have to actually watch the game standing up. I can't just sit and watch it on my own. If I've got mates around watching it, it's different. But I stand up behind. And when that goal went in, you know, that is the time when me on my own, my wife's living in Indonesia, I'm in this big house on my own, I would run around the room screaming the success of Arsenal. I would be, this is it. We've just scored a last-minute winner in the, in the Europa League. We're through to the next round. But you don't. Like all of the players, you sort of think, well, let's give it a couple of minutes first. 
Let's just give it a couple of minutes first. And tell me that's good for football. Because all we watch football for is for scoring goals. That's all mm. it's about. We watch it's, for that it, moment yeah. of, the, of ecstasy. It's sanitised it's sanitized the outpouring of emotion, which, I mean, I've tried to explain this to people before, right, who think that football is boring, right? Because they watch games like AFL where the score's like 200 to 190. You know, or they watch basketball where it basically goes one team scores, the other team scores, one team scores, the other team scores for the entire fucking game until someone doesn't score and then you win by two points, right? I was trying to explain to them that, like, the emotion in a in a tight, cagey nil-all when someone bangs one it's in in the 89th. It's not getting all Australian. It's called nil-nil. Right? It's not nil-all. We don't say nil-all. We've never said nil-all. Stop right. saying nil-all. When it's nil-nil, Darren, when it's zero-zero, right? <laughs> Um, I, I've tried to explain to people that the emotion of like 89 minutes, recent history, do you know what my one is recent history? Most batshit bananas I went, the Danny Welbeck header against Leicester when I thought we'd won the league. I thought that was it. I thought we'd won the league. Uh, I, for some reason, I don't usually watch games live. For some reason, I decided to stay up and watch this game live. Kickoff's like three in the morning. So I was fucking battered, absolutely pissed out of my fucking skull watching this game. And Danny scored, and I ran through the fucking house, jumped on my missus, jumped on the bed, screaming fucking, that guy, that guy, Danny, that guy, fucking kicked out on the couch, you sleep out there. Now, you fast forward that to a year later when VARs come in. Welbeck scores that goal. and Do I have that emotion, or do I jump up and do what I tend to do now, which is a very quiet, silent, like, yeah, followed by waiting, followed by all of that emotion dissipating, and then the VAR goes in and I go, oh, awesome, it's a goal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's done. Look, I'm, I'm old. You know I'm old. You call me an old cunt. I'm old. I, I, I don't doubt it. I've watched a lot of football. I've never understood what it would, in how it would enhance our game of football, and it just doesn't. It just delays the moment of fun when you score a goal. And I, I've said the only way I think around it, because it's here to stay, is to have a, um, a a system like they do in cricket where you can challenge something. And that would make it maybe exciting that, you know, mm. like we've scored, we're all going mad, and they go, oh, come to challenge it. Do you know uh, what it's like, Darren? Do you know what it's like? It. If you've ever been an unsafe lover, right, and you've been on the pull-out method, Right, and you've been worried about it, and you're fucking, anyway, you're, you're pumping <laughs> away, you're pumping yeah. away, Yep, you're pumping away and you're building up to that moment. You think, oh, well, you know, I can't come in this bird. I don't like her, right? Don't like children. Or for those of you listening for the other thing, uh, I can't let this man come in me. Can we we be pleased? Basically, anyone who has the ability to jizz, man, 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 woman, fucking woman rhinoceros, whatever it might be. I can't believe I'm becoming politically correct. Right on the arse, bros. And v- VAR, VAR is like you've been pumping and pumping and pumping away, and you're finally going to get there, and you get worried about it. And Darren, you, you pull out one between like one and three pumps too early, right? And then you you're, you're waiting for it. It's kind of trying to get out of your balls, right? But it can't. And then you've got to go through the process of starting again. And when it finally does happen, it's never as good as it was. Never as good. If you had, if never you had to good. just let it all go. That's what VAR is. You heard it here first. This is Max's view on VAR. It's like, uh, 
having to withdraw from a sexual encounter and trying to build up the excitement again. Uh, Two strokes strokes too early, Darren. You get get the cum face, you get the fucking sore bollocks, but you know what, Darren? You look down, there's no jizz on the tits, you've fucking failed. Now you've got to go back to the drawing board. You've got to build your rhythm up again. Fuck VAR. You know, I was approached by Arsenal recently about doing a podcast for them. This has just fucked all my career chance, you know. <laughs> Anyone who's ever been affiliated with Arsbros, it's fucked them. I was laughing the other day because everyone was getting upset because DT said, oh, he'd give this Tottenham girl something to put in her mouth. And the whole of the Twitter was, oh, you can't say that. And I'm like, Jesus, listen to an Arsbros. I will fucking bury that comment in like 30 seconds of any podcast. Oh. Where do we go from here? I don't know. I feel mate. we've gone. I feel we've like dug a big, big hole. You've I feel like so. I feel like I didn't see you last week, Darren. It's like we've just nipped off to the pub and we've had seven pints and just just a quick chat about what's happening in life. Well, let's talk about what's happening in life. I don't really want to talk about football, but it's a good week, isn't it? It was a good week. Good week for football or good week in general? Good week for us. Oh, fuck football. It was a good week for us. That last, you know, I say last minute, last five-minute winner against Benfica and then Mm. the destruction of a good Leicester side who were ravaged with industries, injuries. Suddenly, it's a rosy garden. Yeah, let me ask you a question. You might have to think about injury. I was, uh, I looked at the table. I haven't looked at the table for months. I mean, I just don't look at the table. When we're in the top four, top two, going for the Premier League, I look at the table. When you're in 11th, 12th, 15th, I don't look. <laughs> I just don't look. And then last night I looked. It flashed up after uh, the game I was watching last night. I can't remember who I was watching. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and I looked. We're eight points off top four with about nine clubs in between. Uh my question I thought about asking you when I saw that league table. Are you getting the league table up or are you just looking at porn? No, yeah, I'm just having a look. I'm just having a look at the league table. If Liam's live now, I might have to join you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is Liam live? <laughs> no, okay. So you look at the table. Here's a question for you. So what, and I thought about this last night when I saw that league table because you've always been, we're shit, we're going to finish mid-table. Um, yeah. Uh, Jack, who we've had on the podcast, who I hope he's still listening. Jack, who, uh, come back on soon. Jack had that freak moment where he said we could win the league. And I understand he didn't expect Manchester City to win 21 games on the trot. Uh, so somewhere in the middle of all that, we're eight points off top four with a lot of clubs in, in, in between, including Tottenham and Chelsea and Liverpool. So what do you, what, what would you hope in this season, what do you hope? What do you expect? There's mm. two different questions. What do you hope and what do you expect? Us to get we've got 12 games left. I'm, ho- I'm hoping, I'm hoping right now, Arsenal are a decanted bottle of wine, Darren. That's what I'm hoping right now. You know, we got poured in early in the season and we weren't ready, right? And there were little glimpses that there was, you know. A little bit of body underneath there, Darren. There was a, a little bit of, that suited our, yeah, our, our taste. But it was okay. but it but it was shit. It hadn't come out yet, right? And what I'm hoping now for our season is that we've kind of come to fruition as good as what we're gonna get. I don't think that we're gonna get better than this at this point. But I almost feel like other wines 
maybe started off as something amazing and through the process of oxidization, Darren, are now starting to to not taste as good as they taste. Like you bought like a fucking 200 quid bottle of Tottenham at the start of the season, right? It's never that. Uh, Tottenham, <laughs> but you're, overpa- you're overpaid for it, Darren. <laughs> you're fucking overpaid for it. And you got swindled by a Jewish bottle shop owner who said, this is the best wine you've ever had. Also, this is a bagel with a schmear, right? That's what he gave you. His name was Chaim, right? He had a Spurs jersey on. You shouldn't have been buying wine in Tottenham, Darren. It's not worth it. You can't buy anyway, wine in Tottenham. Have you ever been to Tottenham? It's fucking <laughs> shit hole. Honestly, it any, really is. Anyway, now, you know, they, they're starting to have buyer's regret. You know, they're, they're, they're going down. I could have used a stock market analogy, but, you know, wine will do. Anyway. I kind of feel like a few of those are starting to suffer a little bit. You know, your Everton's are starting to suffer a little bit. Your Aston Villas, who had all of these games in hand, Darren, and theoretically could have could have gone up to fourth if they won them. They haven't won one of these games in hand yet. They lost two nights ago again. So my tune has changed to, to some degree because I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking, okay, I don't think we're going to get top four. I'm, 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 I, still don't, I still think that's madness, think we're going to get top four. But do I think that uh, directly qualifying for Europa League next year is an option with what appears to be a relatively deep squad for us if players are playing well? You put Willian in some kind of form and Pepe in some kind of form and the addition of Odegaard and Saka in there and Martinelli coming back and Aubameyang performing at centre forward. Eddie Nketiah hasn't had a sniff anywhere. You've still got Lacazette in the team. You've got Ceballos, who's been playing a little bit better. Xhaka, who has dragged some form out of his rectum. God knows where he's pulled this from. You've got Party, who's finding form. We seem to have four centre-backs who are interchangeable. Two right-backs. Tierney at fitness. Cover for him if Cedric plays. When you look at the constructs around Arsenal now, are we any less likely with the amount of points we are off Europa compared to the teams above us? to put together a run that is, when you look at the points table, two wins better than anyone above us. So two losses, two wins. We we go above anyone who's there. I'm a little bit more hopeful of it and a little bit more, I wouldn't say confident because I wouldn't be surprised if we finished where we are, but a little bit more confident that should we get the right piece of the puzzle together, should this wine mature and everyone start to understand the structures of what Arteta is doing, which seems to be happening as well, that there's a possibility that we can finish up there in six. But I will say this, Darren, you said a couple of weeks ago, and I've got to agree with you. I just want to finish above Tottenham. I just do. It's been five years. It becomes years. our season now. It's, it's been become five our years. season. Yeah, finish above Tottenham. Fuck Tottenham. <laughs> fucking loudmouth fucking cunts. Mourinho is crucifying them. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's, it's fantastic. You know, we didn't do a podcast like last week. I want to just mention that uh, we didn't do a podcast last week. I like to come on every week to because I know you all have to listen to me and Max and and Liam and his uh, sexual endeavours. But uh, my <laughs> one a real good friend of mine, Fiona, who's uh, been battling cancer for two years, finally uh, uh, went into hospital. And there's the, the signs aren't promising. She's still with us a week later. She's uh, still not regained consciousness. She's a Tottenham season ticket holder. And not only that, she's got three season tickets to Tottenham. And they're in the posh bit because Fiona's got a few quid. They're at that bit where they they get the cheese from the cheese shop. You know, they're, they're in that they're in that hierarchy. 
but and 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 Fiona, bless her, you know, she's suffering with cancer, and she's still every time Arsenal play, every time she wants us to win. And I keep saying, stop this, Fiona. We hate you. We hate everything about Tottenham. I don't want you to be saying, oh, I hope you play well. I hope that fuck it doesn't work like that, Fiona. You're too posh for me. This isn't the way football works. I hate Tottenham. You should hate Arsenal. And and that's it for me. Finishing above Tottenham is is possibly possibly the best we can get this season but looking at that table now there's three teams in that um in that uh bunch above us bunch that's the best word i could come up with there's three teams in that bunch above us tottenham chelsea uh liverpool who aren't in the top four places so we have to not only do better than them in the next few weeks we have to finish above them we have to get eight or nine points so i'm not sure we're going to do much better but they're all dropping like stones Leicester look fun well, i Leicester wish i i fun. wish i had to put a bet on darren because i said at the start of the season to my my liverpool mates i said you will finish outside of the top four and they all said, I'm wrong, 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 wrong. And I said to him, you haven't been to the, the top of the tree for a long time, right? And because you've got there, you think that you can stay there. But it's very hard to motivate a group of men who have won everything. They've won the Champions League. They've won the Premier League. You know, and, and it, it's just not something that happens. I was like, you will dip out of the top four. You will have to rotate this team out. Mane, Salah and Firmino can't just do it for you consistently forever you're a major injury away and look at who would have thought at the start of the season that liverpool would be in seventh tottenham yeah, shitspur are in seventh. eighth they're in seventh darren i mean that's not like oh no we're in we're in fourth we're still in the champions league you're fucking playing europa next year you cunts yeah do you know what though but looking at leicester at the weekend and leicester away is always a difficult fixture for us in recent years Leicester has been one of those games. Vardy always finds his form against us. You ha- you start to hate playing Leicester City, and you shouldn't. You We as Arsenal Football Club, we as the mighty Arsenal Football Club, shouldn't be worried about playing away at Leicester. But actually, we are. And yet, you watch that game of the weekend, and that is the difference. That is the difference now. We have got a really good squad. Whatever you say, whether you hate William, whether you hate Pepe, whether you hate all of these fringe players that we've got, they're all fucking good. And when we can make six changes, and I could hear, I don't do Twitter so much, but I could hear the outcry when he makes six, six changes against Leicester and brings in the shit players like Pepe, Willian, Lacazette. You know, I, I'm looking at that thinking, do you know what? And, and Ma- I must say, Mari, before the game. Mari, El Nenny. Yeah, I'm looking before the game, and maybe El Nenny was the shock. But I looked at that and I thought, do you know what? We've we've had a really tough long week, and we've made six changes, and these are all great players or good players that could become great. And we played really well. We played Leicester off the ball, and Leicester looked tired. And then the Vardy's not back to his usual stuff. Madison's not playing, and then they get an injury to to Barnes, whatever. And suddenly, we just look so much better. And of course, we gift a team an early goal because that's in our. DNA at the moment. I thought you know, that we... I thought that killed Leicester, the early goal. Strange thing to say, but I thought it was the worst thing that could happen to them because it put Arsenal it it put Leicester into a state where they had almost like poked the Arsenal bear to a degree, right? And we're not we haven't been terrible when we've been poked this season. Like we we've had some reasonable reactions in the latter part of the season. We've had some games where we've come back, games against Benfica. 
And I just thought that it gave them too much of a game to try and defend a lead. I thought it changed the way that they played. They went really passive. They stood off us in midfield. And then once they stood off us in midfield, we kind of passed through them and and ran over the top of them. Um, but yeah, I, Darren, it's But been... didn't you think, Max, sorry, didn't you think that we were just, as that game went on, I mean, the first 10, 15 minutes were a scrappy game. But as that game went on, we were just better in every department. You know, we were yeah, better we, all the I, way through. We said this at mid-season, right? When you line up a lot of our players, so line up our players against the Everton yeah, squad, yeah. right? Agreed. Against the West Ham squad. I even argued at the start of the season that our best first 11 was a better first 11 than Manchester United. And I argued that our best first 11, all fully fit, are better than Chelsea, are better I than Tottenham. I said on our previous show, when we were still doing the clock end, I said, I think Arsenal have the fourth best team in the league on the day. I just don't think we know how to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, we have Pepe's, Lacazette, so Bamiang's. It's like an aging aging wine, Darren. It's like an aging wine. I love the wine analogy, but it is a very slow (laughs) process. We have... We've got fucking <laughs> loads of bottles, <laughs> uh, but, but actually, you know, mixing them together hasn't worked so well. And it's taken, but I, I'm liking Arteta. He's tightened our defence. He's made us, can we've I, still got the third best defence in the Premier League and we're the 11th best team in the And can the I just, table. can I just, for someone who has, I, I don't, I've never been Arteta out, but I've been willing to, I have been willing to be critical of him throughout the year. I haven't been one of these hyper-positive fans who seem to think, well, he's the next big thing. But I will say this. There's a few players in that team who are coming into form right now who we should look at. And when we're looking at the guys who aren't playing, the guys like the Martinellis and guys like that, and we should think back to when these guys who were playing well weren't playing and what Arteta's message then was, what they had to do, what they had to improve on. We had a Pepe who did not track back didn't get behind the ball and didn't pressure fucking chasing back like a lunatic now yeah but this is what i'm talking about darren there's some big bollocks there from arteta to come in in his first ever club in a proud formerly very successful club in a tough time and walk in and chin your highest ever signing walk in and fucking chin him and say you sit there until you learn how to work in my system it also takes a lot of balls from a manager to realize that, like it or lump it, you bought Willian. Good decision, bad decision, good contract, bad contract. And he's kept putting him out there over and over and over again. He put him out there when we needed him against Fenerbahce. And everyone was like, oh, sweet Jesus, he's bought on Willian. But he's gone to him in big games. He's gone to Did him in big Fenerbahce moments. Was it Fenerbahce? No, that's fucking, who am I saying? Benfica. Benfica. And I just think that there's a, there's, a, there's a mental fortitude there from Arteta and a balls from Arteta that I think that we have to look at. And for me, like I said, you know, I'm looking at it now and I'm saying, okay, I, I respect the I fact that you are you yeah, I respect the fact that you are willing to chin people. There's lots of things I don't like. I don't like his in-game yeah, management. Well, I don't like his in-game management. I, I'm not a fan of his substitutions. There are things that I don't like. There are selection issues that I haven't liked and combination issues that I haven't liked. But on that part, you know, everyone's blowing up right now about Martinelli. I don't know if you read his. It was a, a very typically coded Arteta comment, and I'm paraphrasing. But when asked about Martinelli last week, 
He said, he's a big part of our future. We really like him. We have to find the combinations that work so that he can be effective in big games. And I read that as saying, you're really good. You know you're really good, but you don't play within the structures that I want you to play. That's why I hooked you against Man U, and that's why you haven't played since. And instead of doing what everyone wants to do, which is to go get 18, 19-year-old kids and just, just play them until they get good, he's pulling them out and saying, "This is I'm, I'm going to hone all of your, your raw ability, but you're going to do it within the structure that works. You're going to do it within a structure... And I guess one of the things I've realized with Arteta this year, we've got a lot of seven out of 10 players, Darren. I've said this on lots of podcasts. We've got a lot of guys who, if you were doing FIFA ratings, they'd be between 70 and 76. And I don't think you can jazz with players like that. Arsenal at its best under Wenger. You go through that team top to bottom. You go through that Invincibles team. You didn't have to coach that team. You just gave them a jersey on Saturday and said, Go and express yourself. You can't fucking do that with a team full of kids. And you can't do that with a team full of guys who are very good at one part of the game and very limited in another part of the game. I'm starting to feel like it's a very, very smart decision from Arteta. He's created a very, very stiff structure where everyone has to be at certain points on the pitch at certain times. And I feel like he's done that because... He can pull a guy out and he can put a guy in and that guy knows his role and that guy knows his structure. And the expectation is, regardless of whether you're a Willian, a Pepe, a Saka, a Martinelli, a Nelson or an Aubameyang, there are certain expectations of you within the systems. And once you've met those expectations, you can then go and jazz. You can then go and express yourself. And I feel it's a very modern a modern approach and a very different approach from what we knew under Wenger. Funny enough, funny enough, Max, I'm listening to you like I do and uh, and loving what you're saying. You know, you're a smart guy. Makes a lot of sense. But the, the bit there you say where it's a very modern structure and we all want to draw comparisons with Pep Guardiola because that's where Arteta's learned his, his uh, last bit of managerial expertise. But I, I and I know I get criticised. I keep talking about the past, but I know a lot about the past because I've seen a lot of it. Um, but I, I look back to um, George Graham, and, I, and and it was made as a sort of throwaway reference uh, a few months ago. I look at Arteta now, and I lived through George Graham taking over at Arsenal uh, when we were a really ordinary club, and I mean really ordinary. And George Graham came; he was the manager of Millwall Football Club. We haven't just signed Pep Guardiola. We haven't just signed a, a top manager from another club. We've signed the Millwall manager. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if people are aware of that. Well, he was manager of Millwall, you know, and when we signed him. And what who was he manager of? I'm not going to tell you again. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. So he joined us, and we were an average mid-table side. You know, mid-table we weren't doing too much. And he built the defence. And we're known under George Graham as 1-0 to the Arsenal. And we're known under George Graham as boring, boring Arsenal. The fans used to sing that. It was in my times of going home and away. And you go to every ground in, in the Football League and they would start singing boring, boring Arsenal because we won 1-0. Because when, when we scored a goal, we sat back and we defended and no one was going to get through our defence. And boring, boring Arsenal became a thing. It was, it was horrible for us as fans. But what he did was he built that defensive structure. He structured us so we didn't lose games. 
he structured us so we didn't let in goals. And Arteta's sort of done the same thing. We're, the, we're got, still now, after a, a poor run, we've had a poor run of results, we're still the third best defensive on numbers, you know, only on goals conceded. We're the third best defence in the country. Now, he's he's done that. And when George Graham took over and he did that, and he bought it bit by bit, he bought uh, Nigel Winterburn, he bought Lee Dixon, he bought Stevie Bold, put those in with Tony Adams, who was already there. And suddenly he had a structure. And he used some of the youth players, Ray Parler, uh, Paul Merson, you know, like some of the young kids who were coming through the academy who were really good. And then he started to add Anders Limpar, you know, Alan Smith, you know, like players who who, who had uh, who, who were just quality that he sort of suddenly fitted in. And we went from a very dull 1-0 to the Arsenal to a team that was almost invincible in 1991. We only lost one game in that season. And we were scoring goals for fun. Brian Marwood uh, replaced Anders Limpar or the other way around. He started to have flying wingers. And this is sort of what I'm seeing with Arteta is that he is doing this long term. He has created a structure where we're very, very... We Look, come on. We gave away another stupid goal in the first five minutes. We've done that five, six, ten times this season. But take that mistake out of the way, because it was a mistake by Mari, in my opinion, who ran away from the player who was running in. He's made us very hard to beat. He's made us very tight at the back. And bit by bit, these flair players, who are so defensively organised, where three months ago we were saying, we don't see what this Arsenal team is going to do. We can't see how we're going to score goals. Because we're all so structured. But that structure is now the addition of Emil Smith-Rowe, the addition of a great Saka, um, you know, with Pepe and other players playing really well. Suddenly, as I've said to lots of people, we're good. And in six to 12 months, I think we could be very good. We are just think, very fragile. I think and that's the case. I think structure, Darren, is the operative word in more ways than one because structure, you know, implies you know, engineering implies support, implies a framework with which you would build, you know, the facade on top of, you know. So that structure, it's when you think about it, if you were coming into a team that was a, you know, a bit of a basket case, a basket case in the dressing room, I, I think that we can't, we cannot take away from how important it has been to get Ozil, Mustafi, and Kalasinak the fuck out of this team. You look at what Kalasinak, yeah. look at what Kalasinak and Mustafi have done at Schalke in the news. The Schalke manager has come out and said, I regret signing them. He's well, been sacked now. Mate, they've basically gone over there and caused a fucking coup in Schalke, got the manager out. Kalasinak led it. He's come out and said, you know, I, I they he said almost exact quote, I regret, I regret bringing these guys in from top club in England. There's only two of them he bought in, and he bought them from us. You know, we've been saying on the Aspros, me and Manny, the guys have been saying on the Aspros for years, that these guys, these personalities, these guys think they're better than they are, right? They think that they're top, top players. You know, you've got Mustafi with a World Cup medal around his neck, didn't get on the fucking pitch. You've got Kalasnak, who was the Bundesliga wingback of the year, right? Fucking fridge on legs. He's a fucking crocodile without arms just floating in the fucking water, wondering how he was born without... Don't you, aren't you scared? Sorry to interrupt you, because I know this is a fight, but aren't you scared that Gabriel 
looks like Kalasinac, the way he plays. Football. Yeah, a little bit, except I. He's a fridge at the center. Yeah, except I think the difference between Gabriel and Kalasinac, and you're right, physically and the way they move, there are some some comparisons to be drawn. I think from what I've seen, before people slag me off for slagging off Gabriel, we needed a big, strong, fast centre. Yeah, I, 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 and I think Gabriel anticipates. Yeah, I think but Gabriel he still plays football. He passes the ball like Kalasinac. Yeah, I think he. I think the difference with Gabriel is, you know, if I was giving him a rating for anticipation, he anticipates really well, so he gets there first. And I guess with any player who's a front-footed defender who's relying on getting there first, be prepared for Gabriel to pick up some red cards in big games. I said this before: the first game against Manu, he should have been sent off twice. Didn't yeah. get sent off. He should have been gone twice. Very, very, very rash. Um, but basically, Darren, I guess kind of what I'm saying is I think now we're starting to see that. Oh, sorry, just to finish up on my last point. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we, I don't apologize. I don't think we can I don't think we can underestimate how important it was to get that power broken Mesodos all the fuck out of the club to get everyone coming together. I don't think we can underestimate how important it was to get these good for nothing players who had these inflated egos of themselves out of the club. You know, it's only really Socrates I'll give a pass to because he never, he played with the under-21s every time he was asked. He trained the whole time and he caused no issues, right? And yeah. he's even gone off and he's like, oh, I'm looking forward to playing Arsenal. And I'm like, good on you, Socrates. Unlike you the know, other I like fuckwits. Socrates. I always gave his all. Mind you, I like Mustafi. He, he always had, gave he his had all. A couple, he, had a couple of, he had a couple of great games for Socrates and he, he loved defending. And there was a period of time where we were saying, how long has it been since... You know, I used to love seeing Socrates slide in and get up and celebrate a tackle the way he would celebrate, the way anyone would celebrate a goal. But I just think that there Max, have been... Can I just ask you a question? I need to interrupt again. Do you know who uh, Stephen Bradbury is? Yes, he's the... So, to pull a Stephen Bradbury is yeah, for... Please educate is, To pull a Stephen Bradbury is to win by everyone else failing not because you were better. So Stephen Bradbury was an Australian speed skater, I think in the 2004 Olympics, right? So you know the, the fast speed skaters? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Got yeah it's something that we watch occasionally when there's nothing and he was on the shit. television he was at the Winter shit. Olympics. He was shit. He was like the Eddie the Eagle of fucking speed skating. He wasn't that bad, but he was nowhere near. Anyway... In speed skating, noise, you, in in speed skating, you get a lot of people who fall over, right? Because they slide and they anyway. So he got into the final by the skin of his dick because of people falling over. And anyway, in the final, uh, they're going around the last corner. He's miles behind. The guy on the furthest inside channel fell over and took out all five of the skaters in front of him, and he won gold at the Olympics. The reason so I'm saying that is because uh, Ruthless Gooner says Mustafi getting a World Cup medal is equivalent to Stephen Bradbury getting Olympic gold. <laughs> yeah, so we call we, in Australia. <laughs> Thank we you, call uh, it, Ruthless. You know, just I needed I needed some context. We call it pulling a Bradbury. You know, it's like when the, it's like when you it's like when you make the hottest girl in the fucking room and he gets her because she's just maggoted. That's a Bradbury, right? All the rest of them were sober. She was fucked. Her boyfriend had broken up with her. All my history. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't all that drunk. 
so I, I, I do, I do think, like I was saying, I do think that there were more things at play, and I think Arteta coming into the club, I think the club was very destabilized. I think it was destabilized by apex personalities on massive wages who weren't pulling their weight, who were controlling the ethic and the ethos in the dressing room. They removed Unai Emery, who, as time passes, I do not hate the man. I didn't hate the man in his first season there. I, I, I remember when we beat him with Unai Emery and he pulled someone at half time. I've forgotten who it was. He made changes at half time and we went and beat them. And Toby and I did a podcast and it was entitled Unai Emery's Elephantitis Bollocks. Right? And it was we were talking about the fucking size of the nuts on the man to pull I think it was two players at at, at half time. I remember the game. I was at the game. I was at and, the game. And go, and go yeah. and beat Tottenham. And I don't yeah. hate him. And now I think about the fucking players that he had and the personalities that he had, even the Aaron Ramseys, who, you know, I've heard everyone has this great love of Aaron Ramsey. And a lot of what I've, a lot of what, well, I didn't either, especially me and Manny both have major issues with him being a maverick, him picking and choosing when he wanted to play well, him being a big moments guy who wanted to sit there and do what he needed to do when the whole world was watching him in FA Cup final. But on a wet Wednesday in the league, he didn't fancy running. Or he fancied going and standing at centre forward and leaving gaping holes behind him for everyone to scream and shout at Xhaka for letting everyone through while Ramsey's standing in the fucking stand. He's that far forward. But I just think now when you look at it, like Unai Emery had so many more difficult personalities, old stalwart Arsenal players who've been there for too long. And what Arteta's has done is he's cleared everything out. He's taken his time. He's done the right thing. Credit to him. Credit to Edu. They bought in players. And they're not just restructuring the team, Darren. They're not just restructuring the way we play. They're restructuring the way the team operates spiritually. They're restructuring. Yeah, yeah. Well, re- look, it's, very, it's very relevant. I've just made one word. Um, uh, well, I, I rarely make notes while you talk, but I did this time. Occasionally you say something beautiful and I quote Also, it occasionally I take a breath and stop talking and you can get in. Well, I haven't come across <laughs> that yet, but I, I'm looking forward to that moment. Uh, Xhaka. How, oh, fuck. I thought I'd turn that off. I can't turn my phone off. Jacker Jacka. messaging him saying, have you talked about me yet? <laughs> how good? Uh, how long has Jacker been at our football club? I think it's his sixth season. I think yeah, okay. he's coming up to being one of the most capped players in our history. Well, that's that's not going to happen. David O'Leary, 700-odd games. It's not going to happen. Yeah. He's nowhere near I think that. He's, I think he's in the top 20 capped players in Arsenal's history. I saw Maybe. it the other day. Six, no, I can't even believe that. Six years now, and I can't. However, my point was, Xhaka, six years at Arsenal Football Club, when we signed him, we were hoping he was going to be this like energetic, catching material, hard-tackling, central midfield general. And we've seen glimpses, but fundamentally for six years, it's been disappointing. This last two months... And we all love Thomas Party. I haven't got the Thomas Party party yet. I haven't joined that party. I mean that. Uh, I, I keep being told how great Thomas Party is. And I really, as an Arsenal fan, hope he is. Yeah. But actually, when I watch him, I think he's been a bit underwhelming. He's had a couple of good games. He's had three or four bad games. He's hidden a lot in games. I'm not. And look, this isn't me slagging off Thomas Party. This is me as an Arsenal fan with my hand on my heart, hoping he's going to be the new Patrick Vieira and he's going to take us forward to win the Champions League. It's not a criticism, 
But I only can see what I've seen. I've never seen him play for Atletico Madrid. I've just seen him for the last few weeks, you know, for like this season, in and out, injury prone. I haven't seen anything special. What I have seen is Granite Xhaka over the last two months, and I'm only going to put it in that envelope, two months, eight weeks. Best Arsenal player pretty much every week for eight weeks. Arteta has got him playing as well as any interpretation of Granite Xhaka that we hoped we would get. This is the first time he is doing everything. He's ever present. He fits into the system, drops into left back every time our left back goes forward, tackles hard, doesn't get put out of position and plays some fantastic balls forward. Did you, this is my praise of Arteta. He has made a very, very average player that we all wanted to leave the club. One of our best players again. Is that not fair? I think I think he's put the structures around him to allow him to hide his deficiencies. I think one thing Wenger did was he did the opposite of hiding Xhaka's deficiencies by, part, by partnering him with Aaron Ramsey, who was a maverick who went wherever the fuck he wanted. Uh, while you had Ozil who didn't track back, you had Alexis Sanchez who didn't fucking track back. I think he heavily, heavily exposed him. In saying that, I I hold this I hold this dear right and true in my heart. Regardless of how well Granite Shacker is playing football, I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like him as I I. I think he's a. These are and can I just do my? Can I just before because I will go into my praises of him, Darren. <coughs> but I just I just need to preface some things first before I praise him. So my first thing is I don't like him. My second thing is I feel that whenever Arsenal are playing well, Xhaka is playing well, and people think that when Arsenal are playing well, it's because Xhaka is playing well. I think Xhaka plays well when the team is playing well when they're more front footed. I think he's a bit of a fucking pussy. I think he's a fake fucking tough guy who likes to walk around with his cock out, thrown over his fucking shoulder saying, look at the size of this fucking schlong I've got. Look at the size of these fucking watermelon bollocks. But when times are tough and Arsenal are going behind and Arsenal are playing poorly, I'm not saying all the time. Traditionally, Xhaka has shown us that he's a selfish player. He's an emotional player and he may be a leader off the pitch, but when times are tough on the pitch, he doesn't do it. That's my caveat. Let me begin by saying this now. He has been Arsenal's best player for nearly two months now. Very consistent, very durable, very predictable. He doesn't hide from the ball. He is in the best form of his Arsenal career, and he is playing in a structure that currently suits him that is hiding his major deficiency, which is a lack of mobility. I think he's almost put together his former defi- or put to bed his former deficiency, which was that he was incredibly rash. He was a rash tackler. He made rash decisions. I haven't seen that from him. Yes, he'll still lose the ball because he's not super, super technical. He's not super both-footed. And if you cut down his angles, especially his right-sided channel ball, he can be easily dispossessed. And you see him when he's collecting the ball, how much he needs to get into that left-sided channel and how left-sided dominant we are because of that. Arguably, I think that this is Xhaka 
at his best for Arsenal. But I will defer to Tim Stillman. I got a lot of respect for Tim Stillman, yeah, what yeah, he writes yeah, and, yeah, and what he says. I, I think he's I think he's really good. I think he's really calm. Very smart. Yeah, I, I agree. Arsenal Vision is one of the only Arsenal podcasts I listen to. Other than a couple of our mates' podcasts who do stuff. Obviously, I listen to myself because why wouldn't You're you? You're the best. I am. <laughs> Tina Turner song somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have said I am there. You should have said thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and you know you're not the best because I am. That's true, uh, Darren. That's true. You're the best. I've forgotten what I was talking about. But now. it doesn't matter because you're boring everyone yeah. now. What I was yeah. going to say was my point was is Arteta has made Jacka better. Might have taken uh, Tim Stillman. Tim Stillman. Let me finish Tim Stillman because I was, I was shouting out Tim Stillman. I liked what Tim Stillman said. Tim Stillman said, we may think this is the first time we've seen this, but he gave two or three periods over Xhaka's career before, which were between eight and ten games where he's done this. Yeah, And he's, he believed that Xhaka's biggest failing is an inability to remain concentrated. And he said he puts these periods of time together where he's very, very concentrated. And then like essentially like a child with ADD, he can go from being very, very engaged to just losing the plot. And then once he loses the plot, because he's got so much scar tissue, as soon as he fucks up, everyone's on top of him again. I've come around to Granite Xhaka as a footballer. I've come around to the fact that within this team, I think that we're better when he's playing and when he's playing well. But I don't believe... Makes, makes you miss the point. I think Arteta, you're right. I mean, what Tim, Tim, Tim Stillman has said and what you're saying, I absolutely agree with, which I hate to do because I don't like to agree with you. But... That's what Arteta has done. He's got him to concentrate. And it might only be a two-month period, but I don't... I've watched every game Granite Xhaka has played for Arsenal Football Club. I don't remember him having a two-month spell where he has been our best player. Well, you Darren, know, can I put it Can I put it to you that Granite Xhaka's attitude has changed? You can put it to changed. me any way you like, as Liam would that say. Granite, that Granite Xhaka's attitude has changed since the other Apex players within that squad have fucked off. And, and can I just the, add another point there? Since the crowd haven't been there. True. Not jumping on the him. The crowd don't Definitely. like Granite Xhaka. Yeah, but the crowd, the crowd weren't there early and he wasn't fantastic. And this no, no, no. But, this... But, but the crowd don't like Granite Xhaka. So I agree with you. I don't like Granite I don't, crowd. I don't like Granite Xhaka. I wouldn't go have a beer with Granite Xhaka. I'd probably thump him in the pub. I'd be like, you fucking fake tough guy. I'll fucking He'd nut fucking your teeth through you your out. head, you fucking cunt. He'd fucking take I'd, you out. You're nothing. I'd fucking, Granite Xhaka I'd fucking will have fucking him. take you. I'd have him. I'd have him, Dazza. <laughs> I'd kick him in his shins. Max, much as I'd love to talk anyway, to you I think it, I think it, I just think it's very possible, Darren, just to finish on Granite Xhaka. I think it's you very possible. Granite, well, in unless you're VAR and then you think you're going to finish and you don't, you've got to build it back this up This is again. Liam. Liam. Liam is coming to climax at the end of this podcast yeah. and now you've just told him to withdraw momentarily. I, I think it's very possible, Darren, that Granite Jacker is, and I've had lots of people work for me over the years and I've, I've mentored and managed lots and lots of people and you get people who are very, very susceptible to the the environment that's around them and the personalities that are around them right and you remove those personalities and that person can flourish within a management structure it's very very possible that Xhaka within that that apex we're very very good we think very highly of ourselves we're better than the manager we've been top players we're Arsenal it's very possible that those players leaving 
that tight-knit group of your Mesodurzels and your Kalasinaks and your Mustafis and your Jackers who were all leaders, it's very possible that that changing out has had a significant and fundamental effect on where Granite Xhaka feels that he sits within the team and how he's applying his emotional state and what he feels about Arsenal. Look, I Coaches want to need to get players on the for hour. the ride. I don't, want to, I don't want to go more than an hour, but the point is, how does he turn the crowd around? I would hazard a guess that by doing exactly what he's doing. No, no, I tell no, you no. what, he's been I'll far tell you, no, no, no. I'll tell you, party. I'll tell you what, he's been Darren. Far I'll, better than Odegaard. I'll he's tell been you our what, number one player, and yet the very. No, go finish, Darren. Finish. No, I was going to say he has been our best midfielder for two months. Again, you know, party's been up and down. Odegaard had a couple of good games, a couple of bad games. You know, um, t- Granite Xhaka has been our best player. For two months in yeah. that midfield, and yeah, and the tide you is started this by saying, him. "Yeah, I don't like him. I hope he dies." No, I don't like him. It's, it's. I'd never said I hope he dies. I mean, if he did, I'd be like, "Oh, that's a bit sad," but I wouldn't be like, "Oh, I'm heartbroken about Granite Jack." I'd be like, "That's sad. He's dead. He's probably got a family." Well, I would be, you know, because <laughs> we've lost our midfield general. All I'm saying is that that he's turned around. What does he do to turn our crowd around? Is it... I think he already has started to do it, Darren. Now, I spend a bit more time on Twitter than what you do because I, I try and engage with because the toilet that is the yeah. toilet that is Twitter. Actually, I, actually, I hate it, and I've got the mental age of a sixty-year-old. But um, he loses that ball. You know, you said early. Oh well, when we concede that goal early, it's on Mari for backing off, and people would say it's on El Nenny for backing off. It's Granite Xhaka who gets dispossessed in a bad area. He gets fed a little bit of a poor ball from Willian, but his unathleticism oh, is lack, his oh. lack of technicality. He does get dispossessed there, Darren. I'll tell you how I know the tide is turning. Earlier in the year, he would have been destroyed all over Twitter. He would have been yeah, absolutely enough, yeah. carved to pieces. He wasn't. It almost went a little bit under the radar. And it feels like him putting together two months' worth of football, he has put some credit in the bank. And when you start getting credit in the bank, you start to be able to have some small mistakes. Now, when he threw the captain's armband on the pitch, he didn't have credit in the bank. He took out a fucking mortgage on his Arsenal career, right, with bad terms and high interest. I was at the game at the Emirates. I was at the game. He will never – there are people who he will never turn, Darren. Never turn. The reaction from the the crowd on that day was horrible. When they put the captain's armband on him when Aubameyang came off earlier in the year in one of the early rounds, it might have been the FA Cup, something like that, it sickened me. It sickened me. Now I look back on that and I think, I wonder if that's a very, very, very small, smart move from a manager who thought – I fucking need you. I can't get rid of you. I don't have the money to get rid of you. And if I get you playing well, you could be important. Well, anyway, like he's still management. a cunt. He's still a cunt. I don't like uh, him, but he's playing very well. I like our manager. I like what he's doing to our football club. I like the softly, softly, slowly steps. I think we're six to 12 months away from being a very good side. We've just got to get rid of this fragility that we have. And we are a very fragile side. Uh, and that's that's going to take time and confidence and, and months to get over. We've Max. been an unlucky side as well, Darren. We've been an unlucky side because it has felt all this season that any time a ball could go in, it's gone in. Yeah. Max, can you like, let we've, me finish we've, this podcast? Yeah, yeah maybe. You, you go nuts, mate. I need another coffee anyway. Oh, which will bring on my which will bring on my morning shit, which is an important part of my daily ritual, Darren. Max. 
I could talk to you all day. This is exactly what I want our <laughs> podcast to be. I love just talking football and life and babies and Liam's sex life. I just love <laughs> this. This is what I want to do. This is, I know you're listening, going, oh, I wish they did this every week without fucking reviewing football matches. Absolutely right. This is what you want to hear. But I am very strict that I like to keep our podcast to an hour because that's the time when people get bored and get fed up. So, Max, I want to end this podcast and say thank you very much for joining me. And I hope that this time next week, when, how long's the baby due? Six days? Six days, yeah. Any time now. I hope you're joining me next week. Yep. <laughs> with some good news. <laughs> Mate, at least the podcasts are early in the morning. So provided I don't have a screaming baby, I can do it. I was thinking what we might have to do, Darren, is make sure we've got a third. And if I've got to pop in and pop out, go fucking quiet, the little one. I can come in and come out. But all good, mate. Pleasure to be with you, as Bring always. Bring the baby on. That's what we want yep. to say. You, you never answer my questions. you know what the sex is? Uh, yeah, it's a girl. It's a girl, which, which I think... Girl. Which I think is I think is good for me because if it was a boy, Darren, I could fucking I could turn that into something horrible. I think there's less chance of me turning a turning a girl into something horrible. I will be checking as well, listeners, the scalp in between the butt cheeks everywhere to see if there is a six 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 number of the beast anywhere on it. Why? Who have you parried? <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. It's, it's all about me. It's all about me, mate. I could have, like, I could be. You never watched Damien? You never watched the horror movie? Of course movies, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you you look angelic to me with your little headphones yeah. on, your little hat. Yeah, no, no, mate. It's very possible I've produced a devil spawn to take over right. the world. A <laughs> uh, little matter of um, housekeeping. Anyway, have we got an end track to play? So on this your now? your start video is your end video. So just oh, whack fine. on your so whack on your end. We're not good enough. So we're not good enough to have a start and an end video. We just got to play the same fucking thing again. Is that what yep. you're saying to me? Yep. Is that what play I'm valid to you in your arse bros network? That well, I considering I didn't make video. considering I didn't make any of the videos, and Scunny oh, no, does Scunny all, did, and he did a very Scunny good job does, with the opening. Scunny one. does all I mean, of it. He made he made a banner. It looks like they've got Thursday everything. night lives on a fucking washing line in someone's garden. <laughs> it's dancing around. I mean, come on, fuck me, Scunny. People, Darren, people have, they need to see movement now. Trust me, I met with my social media marketing team the other day and they told me Instagram posts do not catch people's attention unless they have small amounts of animation anymore, such as the I way know, of society. But we don't have to have 1970s Thursday Night Live from a font that was brought out when when uh, when MySpace went bust. Come on, for fuck's sake. Scully, I'll tell, Scully, I'll tell Scully you video. think his work is shit. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Actually, Whack I the video on there. came on last time we did the podcast when you couldn't be asked. Anyway, Liam, we haven't missed you. Fuck, it's been a good podcast. Uh, Scunny, come back on, but only when you've got some fucking good animation to end the fucking podcast with. Uh, who else has been on? Jack, come on. Tell me about if you still think we're going to win the Premier League. <laughs> hey, Max, nice to see you. Hope you have a good you too, week. Mate. And uh, let's uh, let's do this again. Hang on. Which one is it? <laughs> that one. And I hope to see you all very soon.